you still on the fitness kick and eating yeah, healthy? And maintaining, yeah, maintaining, maintaining yeah, maintaining what I yeah. lost, which, uh, you know, I, I feel good. So that's that's what yeah. counts. Boy, you've had a, a – the girls' basketball team's had a great winter. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they've, they've, they're really strong this year, and, um, you know, they're, they're – they're fairly young, uh, too, so uh, that's good. I mean, we have three seniors who are key parts to the uh, to the program, but uh, there's there's a lot of younger girls, freshmen, and sophomores that I think are going to be ready to step in next year. You know, I really don't know that I've paid that much attention, unfortunately. Who's the coach? Mike Labonte. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. And Dale Gamage is the JV coach, and yep. uh, he does a good job with the. You know, our numbers aren't that strong as far as uh, number of athletes playing. Um, but uh, but they're all fairly athletic, so it you know makes for makes for a strong program. Jim Palmer with us. He is the athletic director over at Oak Hill High School. You can follow him on Twitter at ohraidersad. And um, you know, um, in terms of your role over there at Oak Hill, what are some initiatives you've been pushing here recently? I guess in, the, in terms of the Department of Athletics. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, you know, keep reinforcing the. The uh, strong leadership from our student athletes. Um, we're we're looking to put together uh, once the winter season finishes, kind of a captains club where I have uh, some of the key um, players of, of our teams uh, and and go through a, a leadership training with them so that they can help uh, build some good teams for us. Well, you know, I've said for a long time we some coaches pick captains, some elect, let the the team elect them, irregardless. We don't. I don't think we spend enough time teaching them how to be leaders. We. I think we expect because they're captain and we've seen them be leaders a little bit. We expect them to know how to do it, and some of them don't. Some yeah. captains are not nearly as good as others. Absolutely. As you, know. you know, sometimes it becomes a popularity contest. Sure. Um, you know, and and sometimes it's based on their athleticism or their skills, and I think um, that that's not always your best leader on a team. So. Uh, we're looking to tap into all, all of our players and, and uh, start with Captain's Club, but I'm hoping it, it, it expands to uh, athletes who want to be leaders. Have you already developed like a kind of a curriculum, an outline of what you want to do or responsibilities for captains? Yeah, or? the last couple of years we've been um, going outside with uh, some, some resources with proactive coaching with Rob Miller. Uh, he does a great job, yeah. so we're using some of the – things he has uh, and we also are looking at uh, positive coaching alliance so i'm looking at different pieces of those to build what we want to use and what will what will fit for us at oak hill we had um one of your players on aj redmond i believe AJ, right? yeah. yeah we had him as a guest host on the b list as part of his i believe internship with uh with maddie and everything he did a great job and we all got a ton of listeners it seems like He's developed quite the following. <laughs> He's a natural. He, yeah. he doesn't miss a lot at Oak Hill. He's at almost every event yeah. and uh, very supportive of our athletes and, and of course, played football uh, for us this past fall. Uh, had some injuries uh, a couple of years, so he missed a few years, but uh, I think he took that opportunity to build his skills in, in uh, broadcasting. What a run by the football team this season also, right? How fun was that? That was fun. Uh, you know, uh, it, it was a great group of guys because – you didn't have really the standouts that you have sometimes on a team. You have a balanced uh, um, attack of uh, good running game, good good offensive line play, good defense, uh, good quarterback. Nothing was really, uh, you know, uh, extreme, just kind of a, a, a nice balanced attack, and, and they're fairly young again. So I think uh, we'll see good things next next fall from them. What year is this for you at Oak Hill? This is my uh, eighth 
eighth year as athletic director. So you would have been, obviously, Kyle Flaherty when he was there. Yeah. Yeah, yep. with those championship teams and everything. And Kyle and Alex Mace and yeah, Parker. And yep. Kyle obviously just wrapped up his career at Bates where he was a captain this past season and everything. I understand he's still actively involved in helping out the football program also over there, though. He is. We yeah. see him on breaks, and he comes uh, comes to preseason stuff. And, uh, you know, that's part of the part of the piece that I want to tie in with our captainship is, yeah. is athletes that have gone on and done well and uh, have been in that leader leadership position at the next level and come back and talk to our younger athletes. I've said before, you know, when that, that championship run, uh, I think it's so easy for a high school team that's being successful to get full of themselves and, and suddenly they lose it. And I thought that Mason, and especially Mason Flaherty, uh, and Parker to some degree, uh, but but uh, the quarterback is always kind of a leader anyway, uh, especially the way they run their system where they allow him to call plays at the line of scrimmage if sure. he sees something. But I thought Mason Flaherty, uh, any time you, you uh, got a quote from them that was in the paper, all they could talk about was the team did this, the line did that. The, they they never said, well, I gained 100. And if you asked either one of them, they wouldn't have any idea. Uh, I thought they were ultimate team players, and I thought it was a tremendous example for the rest of the team and for other teams, when, when, to be honest. Sure, and I think you could add Luke Washburn to that, sure. uh, to that mix. Uh, and I think that comes from your, you know, from your coaching, your head coaching. And, and uh, I know Stason spent a lot of time talking to those guys about how to talk with the, the media. You know, uh, give, give credit to your team. Uh, it's not an individual thing. And I think uh, those guys did a great job buying into it. And um, you're right. that you, you, Most articles you read, it was about the, the focus was taken off of them and put on something else, which is that's kind of the, the, the Patriot way, isn't it? Yeah, it sure is, isn't it? <laughs> well, speaking of that, what are your thoughts on the Super Bowl? Uh, I think Dave knows I'm a Chicago Bears fan, so I'm still I'm still uh, <laughs> oh, getting over the loss. A little loss bitter. To, oh, to yeah, look, you're looking for a kicker. They had a right. good team, too, yeah. But uh, – but how do you not like the Patriots? You know, uh, they're the second team, and fortunately I've been able to watch them, uh, you know, with this run for a long time. But uh, it's it's hard because this is the hype week for Super Bowl, and, and I don't like to get into all the hype. But I've um, been looking at a lot of stuff like the uh, Tom versus Time segment, some Bel Belichick uh, do-your-job segments, and how do you not like them? And, and even if you don't like them, how do you not respect them if you're a fan of the game and what they've accomplished? So Bears fan, did you grow up in Chicago or just something that? No, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of fell in love with watch, watching Walter Payton uh, through those years where he really didn't have uh, a lot of, of a surrounding cast around him. And I'm like, boy, I would love to see uh, Chicago, uh, you know, produce something around him and be a good team. And, and lo and behold, uh, in the 80s, mid 80s, they did. And, uh, and I just continued watching because I, I, I just like their history and tradition that they stand for there. It's interesting. We've got, you know, Gus LeBlanc, Packers. We've got Jason Fuller, Lions. Now we've got, you know, Jim Palmer uh, with the Bears. We've got the NFC North represented, I guess, in Maine. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but think about um, sports in general. They, they make that kick. It changes the whole playoff structure, possibly. Yeah, you know, and, and he took a, took a beating f for that, for, for missing that. But like I was telling uh, my son, actually, I said, you know, he made – uh, I think three previously in the in the game. Had he missed one of those, and uh, we wouldn't even been talking about that. Right. We'd be talking about why didn't Mitch Trubisky get him down the field to score a touchdown sure. because no, it was a touchdown they needed. But but that's you know th that's what they get paid the big bucks for. And sure. and uh, I really like the way that he represented himself after. Um, 
you know, he, he spoke about how, uh, you know, he let the team down and, and it sounds like a lot of his teammates uh, stood up for him. Um, he, he, he did kind of get on the Today Show a little early, I guess, but <laughs> <laughs> a little yeah. too soon, maybe. <laughs> right. We are actually due for a break on the radio side of things, so we'll take one now. This is the B-List Live from Gridiron Restaurant here in Lewiston. They are opening their doors at this moment, so stop on by and say hi. We'll be here till noon, but back in a moment on the new 105.5 Sports. The Spectrum Healthcare Partner Studios on the road today. Myself, Coach Wing, we've already had Skip Capone on from Bates College, and of course we had Kim, one of the owners of Gridiron Restaurant, on as well. And we welcome you back in on the radio side of things here from Gridiron Restaurant Live on the B-List. My name's Aaron Morse. We've got Coach Dave Wing and uh, Jim Palmer joining us right now, joining us a little bit before the break also. But, uh, Jim, you, you mentioned off the air some wrestling highlights right now at Oak Hill. What's happening uh, there in terms of wrestling? So uh, we, we, we co-op with uh, Lisbon High School for our wrestling program, which has been a great relationship. Um, but, but I want to talk a little bit about uh, one of our wrestler, wrestlers specifically, yeah. Zoe Buto, um, sister of Danny Buto, who won four, four state championships uh, at Oak Hill. But she has, uh, she's on pace uh, possibly at mid-states this Saturday to get her 100th win. Uh, wow. as a female wrestler, which is uh, unbelievable because at, at this point she's been wrestling mostly males. Um, but she's, uh, the last three years, she's competed um, in the female wrestling championships, which was not uh, recognized by the MPA up until this year. This year they'll have the female uh, state championships, and she, I, I would think she's poised to, uh, to participate in that and, and do fairly well in that. So we're excited. to. It's going to be at Penobscot Valley High School, I believe, during uh, February break. But uh, I'm excited to see what that's going to bring for a female wrestling championship. That'd be great. That's terrific. And then um, you mentioned you co-op with Lisbon for wrestling. I know that's a, that's a big rivalry in some sports, but you co-op in some others. How does that go? <laughs> uh, it's, it's been uh, – we, we, it, it, you're right. It is a rivalry, yeah. but we've been uh, – you know, you're so close, and the kids know each other. Yeah. The wrestlers actually kind of wrestle with each other up through through the youth program, so uh, it was a natural fit, and, it, and it's really worked out pretty well. And it, I think it's helped in other areas as well with with our other sports and in uh, keeping that rivalry uh, fun and and uh, competitive. Jim, last year I uh, I came over and I did an interview with uh, I can't remember it was three or four hockey players that were on a cooperative team. Yeah, with Levitt and so on. Uh, how are you finding that? Uh, what's it like for that kid back in your school when you're not the school? I can't say you're not the school of sponsorship, but you know what I mean. I do. In other words, the other school's got 15 skaters, and you're giving them two, you know, that kind of thing. How's that like for that cooperative kid? It's, uh, it's a real challenge to keep that um, going, uh, but, I, but I think it, as a result of some hard work by, by the other ADs, uh, uh, Ryan LaRoche at Levitt, uh, Scott Walker at Gray and, and Don King at Poland, just the constant communication to try to make sure we're all on the same page. We text each other uh, regularly and, and email and just make sure that uh, we're making it as easy for the athletes as we can. And uh, I try to touch base with those hockey players during school, see how things are going. Um, you, you just have to kind of go uh, above and beyond to make sure that that stays uh, smooth and uh, functionable. I asked them, I said, the the kids in school know you got a uh, a game, and they said, "Yeah, yeah, kids, you know, they'll 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 say, you guys playing tonight? Okay, we'll, we'll come to the game and whatever." I'm sure there's not a throng, but kids will come, especially kids that are interested. Uh, 
And I said, well, if, unless it's changed, you can put an announcement on, you know, hey, there's a game tonight. Don't forget Joe, Sam, and whatever, point, you know, that kind of thing. And so, yeah, but I think that's uh, – I, I asked my son about that. Uh, what would you feel like? He said, hey, is it a chance to play? Where, where do I go? Right, <laughs> where right. do I sign up? You know, so – yeah, well, and I and that, it's not a sport that every school has, so it's great for them. No, and in, in this day and age, um, our boosters have done a good job of putting it on our on our Facebook uh, sports page, so that uh, people are up to date and people can stop out and, and catch a game. Um, I was mentioning I, we have a JV hockey game today that that uh, is going to happen, but um, you know the, the the nice thing about it is uh, I think the 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 student sections are starting to uh, meld together a little bit. When I first, when we first started this co-op, you could see you had this student section, this yeah, student sure. section, and now that because they they know each other, they're starting sure. to uh, um, pair up wow. a little bit. You know, I hadn't thought about that as a benefit. That's good because a lot of times that's na that could get nasty. Yeah, and it's not because they're cheering for the kids. Yep. Yeah. What's the process like to start, you know, a co-op team like that? I mean, when you had to do it back uh, when, when, when you knew the numbers weren't going to be there necessarily, how, how do the ADs go about working, working with each other? There's a couple ways. Yeah. Uh, you know, first of all, hockey, we didn't have hockey, so we didn't have uh -huh. numbers to really – uh, base anything on. We just had interest of yeah. um, students uh, asking and parents asking. So we, we, we jumped in and uh, at the time uh, it was Poland and Gray needed uh, some players because they were down in numbers. So they asked if we would jump in and and uh, we did because again, the youth, they play with each other uh, on travel teams sure. and the youth. So they know each other. Um, so that's one process. The other process, similar to um, probably like our um, wrestling one is we had wrestling Lisbon had wrestling but our numbers were down and, and wrestling overall is kind of down and it's tough to fill those weight classes um, to have a full meet so we just uh, talked with each other and we're, we're probably about 10 minutes away and said uh, why don't we get together you know uh, it's, it's a simple uh, form to the MPA saying you'd like to co-op with another mm -hmm. school you look at your enrollments um, you know, the MPA did a good thing a, f a few years back when they went back to or when they, they established the percentage of co-op. Instead sure. of taking all of Lisbon's enrollment, all of our enrollment, that probably would have bumped us up a class, which discouraged a lot of schools yeah. from co-oping. So now it's based on percentage. The percentage of athletes you take from a school is what you use for your enrollment number. Um, so that's really – that's probably – Part of the reason why you're seeing more co-ops now because it's uh, nobody jumps up a class because of it. Uh, you mentioned the uh, enrollment and there's lots of reporting about the Ant-Man football question and is it going to happen? It looks like it probably will, but there's been some ADs kind of going back and forth. I, I need the inside AD perspective <laughs> on what these discussions are like. And, and yeah. the old football coach, too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I look at it a couple different ways. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I think there's two real key things to look at. One is um, – you look at your schools that are struggling to keep football as a program, uh, your Telstars, uh, the, the ones that have less than 15 athletes. Is, is it safe to have put an 11-man team out there uh, when you only have 15 athletes? And is it, is it worth ruining football in that district by making them play 11-man football? Mm. And so I think that's how 8-man football has evolved is to keep these programs going so maybe they can generate some more interest three, four years from now, maybe they got 20 and they can get back into love man football. So I, I, I really see that side of it. Um, and I think the other piece of it is the competitive piece of it. Um, you know, who, who, who are you going to play? So love man football, you might have the numbers, you might have 25, 30 athletes, 
but are you competitive and is it worth going out every Saturday or Friday night and getting beat by 30? Um, because then you start to lose your numbers because, right. you know, we experienced that a little bit when we were in the KVAC, you know, uh, we, we couldn't compete with some of those schools in KVAC and it just wasn't, um, it wasn't good overall for athletes to go out and, and lose by 30. And, and I was afraid we weren't going to get the numbers back out the next year. So I think that's what some football schools are looking at is um, can we compete? And if we go out and get beat by 30 every, every week, are we going to start to lose numbers in our football program? So I, I think you have to look at it from, from those two aspects. Jim, I was going to ask you that to follow up. I know that you switched from the KVAC to the Mountain Valley. Um, that's been a good move. It has. Would you say pot, very pretty positive? There were two reasons why I looked at it. One was, um, one of the major ones was travel. Uh, the KVAC had expanded since we had joined it. Uh, so we were traveling to Oceanside, Belfast, uh, uh, Madomic. Those were, were pretty far trips for us. Um, and we were not playing teams like Lisbon, who are right next door to us, and Halldale, who's 20, 30 minutes away, Winthrop, 30 minutes away. So travel was a big, big part of that. But but uh, in, in all honesty, competitiveness was too. I, I, you know, I struggled with the fact that do we want to go 0 and 18 and um, play the elite teams of the KVAC, or do we want to go uh, nine and nine, have a chance for a, a first-round playoff? And you know, what happens is we usually end up facing a, a B school. Um, but those kids get to experience that. Sure. And since we've made that that move. I, I didn't count them, but I think we've been in six or seven MVC championship games. So, you know, even though that we may not get to the, the state uh, tournament, we have a chance to experience a championship uh, feeling and atmosphere. I, I've said for a long time, there's that debate of uh, it's wonderful to have a run in the tournament and, and maybe play for the big ball or whatever. But you know what? Day by day, back in your school, if they go – and, and make the tournament one year out of ten, and the rest of the time, like you say, there are a lot of one in seventeens in Oak Hill's uh, history in yeah. basketball. Uh, it isn't any good because no. kids don't want to play. You like you say, you go nine and nine, and maybe you know ten and eight, and then next thing, then the next thing you know, you've won eleven games. They they start to feel really good about the the sport and how it's gone. And you know the other thing too. We started out in the Mountain Valley Conference. Right. Then we went to the Mid-May Conference. Right. And then when that dissolved, we went to the KVAC really because uh, I think people didn't know the Mountain Valley. And I was so familiar with the KVAC. I was there then when we went to the KVAC because really there was not a lot of other places. Sure. Uh, I think now with our enrollment has dropped. 200 kids since I was there. Yeah. We, uh, we were up, when we were in the KVAC, I think we were up around 600, 650 yeah. students. And that that allows you to compete a little bit more because you've got more more students to choose from for your athletic programs. Uh, and the KVAC is a great conference. I just oh, no didn't question think it was about a, that. I just didn't think it was a good fit sure. for us at the time with nope. our, our numbers dropping. And, and uh, at that time, budgets were, and they still are, extremely tight. And you're looking for ways to save a little bit of money. If you can save it in travel, uh, then you can, um, you know, put, help put it someplace else. Well, and I think, you know, people see, oh, we've lost the rivalry with such and such. But you know what? The, the, the other rivalries develop pretty quickly, especially when we're back to schools that we competed against. Some of those were in the mid-May conference, actually. Haldale well, was and so on. Yeah. There now some, those schools are really close. There are some natural rivals there with Lisbon, Monmouth. I mean, 
Oak Hill used to Holiday go to Monmouth. So. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so that was a natural. Yeah. Those parents went to school together, so sure. there was a natural rivalry, rivalry there. So spring sports coming up around the corner, really. I yeah. mean, it's the end of January, last day of January here. What are some uh, highlights about spring sports coming up you're looking forward to at Oak Hill? Uh, I, I think we're going to be strong uh, in, in most of our sports in the spring. Um, our softball team, uh, Coach Collins, has done a tremendous job there, just uh, turning over team after team, being competitive. Uh, baseball was young last year. I, uh, Coach Stoll, I think, uh, has, a, has a good crew coming back, and we had a strong eighth grade program last year that are going to uh, be stepping up, so I think our numbers and our, our team's going to be strong there. And lacrosse uh, had a great season last year. They, they end up losing to um, Waynefleet last year, and I, th I think it was the semis. Uh, so I, and, and most everybody's back from that. Uh, so I think, I think we're going to have a, a really uh, strong lacrosse program this, this spring too. I came over last spring and interviewed both uh, Coach Stoll and Coach Collins because I remember both of them yeah. when they were students. But uh, <laughs> players, and students, yeah, yeah, she, yeah, that makes me feel old. <laughs> but uh, you know, really uh, positive, uh, really feel good about their teams, and uh, you could feel the enthusiasm. And and with uh, Coach Collins, practice had just just about ready to get started, so we were kind of moving through it and. But you could feel it in the gym. The, the girls were anxious to get outside and she, and so on. She and probably was worried about uh, interfering with her practice time. Oh, she, she's, absolutely. She's to the minute as oh, to yeah. how things happen. Wonder where she, she got that from. <laughs> yeah. Her her dad's George Ferguson, who is uh, about as about as good a baseball coach yeah. as we've had around. And yeah. And I kid him. Uh, he he's older than I am, and I saw him play at Maine, and he was shortstop, and he was the first guy I ever saw that had. A truly open stance. Oh yeah. He's right eye dominant, but he was a right hand batter, and it should be. You'd like it to be the opposite. Yeah. You want the front eye to be, and so he opened that hip up, and I'm thinking, what what is that guy doing? I I, I mean, I know I've heard him talk about it a lot, but I hadn't really seen it, and uh, until I watched him hit, yeah. holy smokes, could he hit? And I get at him. I said, hey, you were the first really big star I saw a lot, you know, <laughs> close up, and he goes, yeah, shut up, you yeah. know, but. Uh, you know, good uh, good coach, uh, coached a long time, taught a long time, and she comes by that pretty naturally. They are so, uh, the softball team is, is so fundamentally sound. She doesn't miss anything with, with those girls, and, and her practices are, are snap, 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 and, and they execute <laughs> the game. And, and uh, they've got uh, Sadie Waterman, Abby Netto, uh, two seniors this year that are, that are four-year starters, so... Um, and uh, Sadie pitches and Abby catches. So oh, there you go up the yeah, middle. It's a good uh, and you got Mahala. If you have a strong pitcher, field. you're in good shape. Yeah, yeah. Usually, yeah. You, know, you can scratch out a couple of runs. <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, <laughs> she she will do that with some small ball. That's for sure. Um, we, Coach Wing and I have talked about this on the show before, but I was interested in your perspective. You know, as the AD, you're responsible for hiring coaches, and you can go two ways, right? You can hire a coach who's going to be a teacher at the school also, or you can hire a coach who has an outside job somewhere else. How do you kind of approach that? Uh, do you have a preference necessarily, or is it kind of a case-by-case basis? Well, you, you obviously want to hire the best, um, best coach for your program and the best – uh, teacher because coaching is teaching yeah uh, so it's ideal to have a teacher mm -hmm. in the school um, that you can have as a coach but sometimes it's that outside uh, person that has has uh, some more skills to offer and and uh, some more ideas to offer it's it's getting more difficult to to get teachers to coach because of their their regular day right uh, you know it used to be coaches 
two o'clock, two, uh, teachers two o'clock, two fifteen. Not that they didn't have other stuff to do, but they they had that flexibility to go out and coach a team. It's not like that anymore. There's just so many more after school meetings, um, teacher meetings, curriculum meetings. So it's it's getting more difficult to get uh, teachers out on the sports fields. Gotcha. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, my fiance is a teacher actually at Lisbon, and it's a very very tough schedule. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, you know the way the the school is set up now, students go in after school, so that the teachers stay longer. It's it's, it's just. Uh, there's a lot on their plate, and, and uh, it used to be a relief to get out of the, the, the day at school and go out on a sports field and, and uh, do what you're very passionate about. But I think teachers are tired now at the end of the day and, and want to go home yeah. to their family. So Right. Definitely interesting. Did we get your prediction on the Super Bowl? Did you give us actual <laughs> score prediction? I skirted away you from that. You skirted away. <laughs> I'm going to come back to it. I need a prediction. I'm going to say um, I'm going to go 28-17 Patriots. Nice. Okay, 28-17 Patriots. Skip, skip was 20-27-20. Yeah, Skip so. had the Patriots. Of course, Kim had the Patriots Kim also. Kim had the Patriots, yeah. So she didn't give us a score, though, did she? She said Patriots big. They're going to blow them out. She just yeah. said big. They're going to blow them out. Yeah. Okay. I don't know about they'll blow them out, but we'll see. I mean, the Rams, are, I mean, I guess it kind of depends a little bit about Todd Gurley because he's kind of a mystery right now, like what happened there. Yeah, wh where where his status is because he yeah. kind of disappeared last week. Last and week he was non-factor. On the bicycle most of the game. And, yeah. and C.J. Anderson Boy, he's a, he's looked a like he bulked up, didn't he? I mean, he went from this. Jerome Bettis style. Yeah, really, yeah. yeah absolutely. <laughs> that guy's like my hero now. I mean, he yeah. is. <laughs> 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 they signed him off the street, and yeah. he's like gained like a bunch of weight and still ran over people. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, you just don't you just don't know. And like you said, the the longevity of what the what the Pats have done is, is truly amazing. Yeah, I mean you, and I understand how the rest of the country hates him, but you got to respect him yeah. no matter what. You really I, I, do. I was thinking about that. In fact, I sent a, a video out to our coaches. It was an interview with Bill Belichick about uh, five necessities to succeed or, or, or principles to, to base success on. And, you know, how do you, how do you not respect what he does with those teams and what, what he stands for? You know, I, uh, no player is above the team. No. And, and, uh, you know, I've I read more than one of his books. There's been a couple written about him. And he said when he was an assistant with the, the Giants that he said, I've never had a player better than Lawrence Taylor. Right. There's no question. But Lawrence Taylor was not a coach's dream. He was during the, de during the games. But he said I, uh, he would come in and he was above the team. He would sit in the back of the meeting room and sleep. Or miss meetings. Or miss meetings yeah. and come in hungover. And yeah. all the stuff that you don't want your athlete to be. And he said, I said to myself right then, if, I, if I'm ever a head coach, I, that will never happen to me. No player will be above the team, the coaches, and everybody else. I don't care how good they are. And, boy, has he stuck with that or yeah. what? Well, in that interview I saw, uh, he, he went back to his first, I think it was his first team meeting, and first-round draft pick came in five minutes late, and he addressed it right there. He said, where, where have you been? He said, "Oh, you know, I've been." He goes, "No, you're you're a first round draft pick. I don't care whether you're your first round or or twentieth round. You get here on time." And he said, "I, I was going to make my stand right there, and, and you know, <laughs> and you just don't see enough of that anymore." Um, at any you know, level. That, there was a lot of chatter that uh, Belichick wanted to trade Brady, and that may be true, and that Kraft stepped in, and uh, Maddie asked me about that as a coach and whatever. And I said, "There's no way. I don't care what all the side crap." 
if you listen to what he's done through all these years, I don't care. Brady is not above anybody else either. No. Now, does he love the guy, and has he done unbelievable things for him? Absolutely, but he loved Vrabel. He, there's been some guys that he really right. loved, and he, when it was time, he let him go. Yeah, yeah. And I said, no, I don't. Yeah, I think if Kraft interfered, Belichick would retire. Yeah, I do too. I think he, he hired him with the idea because he went through it with Parcells, Kraft did. Parcells really dumped on the Patriots at the end, not coming back from yeah. the Super Bowl and saying, I, I want authority. You haven't given me the tools I need. And when they hired Belichick back from the Jets, they gave him that authority. Yeah. So, yeah, there's no way. You said you read a lot of books uh, or some Belichick books. Did you read Education of a Coach? Yeah. That, that's, a, that's a great book. Yeah. Anything I can get my hands on about Belichick, I've read. Yeah. Just because I, I like him. Do I like him in front of the microphone? No. <laughs> but and, and well, he doesn't like dumb questions. No. Right? Well, I yeah. don't think he it, likes it, any questions. No, but to be like honest, but. if you ask him like if you ask him like a sh- answer a question that is not, you know, you know, on the message he wants to convey, he's going to just slide right by it and he won't answer it. Typically. Well, and I think it, that that's part of his personality. If it looks yeah. like it's going to be a distraction to what his, what he's trying to do with his team, he doesn't want to answer the question because he doesn't want those distractions. Yeah. But I've been told that he is actually a great person to talk football with when he's not in front of a microphone. Well, and the, and the team says, you know, that's what you guys he, and see. And he's fun. Yeah. We see a guy that's he's certainly determined, and he will stop every drill and say, Jim, it's third and one. He quizzes them all over the facility about what happens if this happens. What are they trying to do to you? You know, that kind of thing. You want you to think about it all the time. But they say he's fun. Yeah. They say in practice he's got a good sense of humor. They show clips of him. We're all going to have to run uh, so many sprints if, yeah. if uh, this big lineman doesn't catch the punt. You know, that, that yeah. kind of thing. And, you know, the whole team is just on with weighted, bated breath to see if the ball is going to be caught or not. You know, just fun things to, to keep them all interested. And, and uh, they interviewed um, – who was the guy that played for him? I can't remember the name down, but he said, the one thing I would say about playing for the Patriots, because I played elsewhere before I came here, and that is uh, playing for the Patriots is like dog years. You know, <laughs> they, there's so much uh, expectation accountability on you every single minute that, it, you know, you got to be special to stay here like Brady has all yeah. his time. Yeah. And he may treat – I know that they give Brady a – they call it a uh, what do they call it a uh, not a rest day but a, you know in other words to retool it just doesn't practice one day you know yeah. especially during preseason but uh, you know I think the expectations are pretty high I think that there's accountability by everybody I mean look at Dante Scarnacchia yeah the, the guy's unbelievable but I think that's the way all the coaches are they're expected to teach and coach and I think a lot of times in the pros. Eh, Look at the film, and you, you know how to play that guy. No, yeah. that doesn't happen in, in Well, you in mentioned Boston. accountability, and, and you know, I was thinking about this the other day. I, I didn't really follow the whole Josh Gordon story, but, um, you know, he, how many times has Belichick brought a guy in that, that's struggled in, with his career, with decisions and stuff like that? And, and I, I wonder if Josh Gordon just felt like he couldn't live up to that expectation and said, I just can't do it, so I'm going to step Yeah, well, out. the word is he snuck out and, right. and broke the rules and paid for it. Well, he but, was going to be suspended again, but, right? Well, no, but that's why. Oh, yeah. He snuck out and, and oh. he tested positive. They're paying for his drug rehab, which yeah. is interesting. In other words, he's not. 
whether he comes ever back and play or not, which probably won't. Yeah. What they're saying, he's a human being, and we're going to try to take care of him. And how many teams can lose? He was their leading receiver on the year. <laughs> right. And not oh. miss a beat. It's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. I, I said to Maddie when the season started, I said, oh, my God, they, they picked up Josh Gordon. I said, watch. Ready to playoff time. He's going to self-destruct. And it may have been. Yeah. Maybe the pressure of what's coming was just too much. Yeah. Uh, you know, addiction, they say if 8% of – of people who really get addicted to something succeed in coming back to where they were. Yeah. They'll come back partially. You know, I'm not talking about athletes in general, just anybody. Right. They, they only come back partial. They never come back all the way. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, an amazing story, really, when you think about it. How for, what, nine weeks? How long was he there? Ten weeks? Yeah. He, he was unbelievable. He Top was, receiver. And, and looked like he was just really starting to yeah. uh, come into form, too. <laughs> you know, stretching the field and making plays downfield, but oh well. So it goes, but the Patriots made the Super Bowl anyway, and now it'll be this Sunday. And don't forget, you can watch Super Bowl right here at Gridiron Restaurant where we are broadcasting live on the B-List. Um, we are due for a break, so we'll be back in a moment. The Spectrum Healthcare Partner Studios on the road at Gridiron Restaurant in Lewiston. Back in a bit here on the new 105.5 Sports. And welcome back into the Spectrum Healthcare Partner Studios, which are the mobile Spectrum Healthcare Partner Studios today, because we are live at Gridiron Restaurant here in Lewiston. They are open 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. daily, seven days a week, so they're open right now. We are here until noon. My name is Aaron Morse. We've got Coach Dave Wing with us, and of course we have the AD over at Oak Hill, Jim Palmer, with us as well here at Gridiron Restaurant on the new 105.5 Sports here on the B-List, and um, Jim, you know, talk a little bit off the air, but Unified Basketball growing every year, it seems like, in Maine. What's it like over there at Oak Hill? It is. This is, I think, our fourth year. We we, we did it the first year they offered it, so it, it's either four or five, but uh, um, like I was saying off the air, it's, it's so refreshing to watch after, uh, you know, sometimes it can be an intense winter season um, uh, with basketball inside and, and everybody on top of you. Uh, but uh, you you go to a unified basketball game and it's so refreshing to watch because the the kids are having such a, a good time and uh, it's about um, you know, it's about letting everybody have a piece of it. So you have uh, s some players who are which they call partners and then you have your athletes and and uh, sometimes you'll see a partner get a rebound even from the other team and hand it over to uh, one of the members of, of the other team to, to take a, get another shot off. And, uh, you know, the crowd is just so into uh, seeing everybody do well. It's, it's just a fun event to be at. Terrific. And then um, in terms of, um, you know, other stuff going on at Oak Hill right now, what are some things you're excited about? You mentioned wrestling's doing really well. Um, tell us a little bit more about your, um, your wrestler who's going to get a chance to compete for a state title because she hasn't before, right? Is that she's um, hasn't competed for a main principles association she's never title. lost or she, she she's uh, they they have a female division uh -huh. that was put on outside of the uh, main principles association and she would win that. Um, but this one's going to be sponsored uh, as an MPA, which nice. so she'll be recognized by the MPA, which uh, it, it's going to be huge because uh, I w I've watched her the last couple of years and, and she's a outstanding wrestler. But um, what I would notice is when she would be wrestling males down the stretch at, at the uh, going through the brackets, she just would become fatigued. I think that became a factor as 
as far as how far she would go um, because the level was getting more difficult. And uh, I think I think she's going to um, have a great time at the States this year because she'll be wrestling against females. Well, I think that just the yeah. simple fact that the way a big tournament like that goes, you're wrestling more times than you've ever wrestled before. Correct. And uh, in one day. And even though there's the... The, I don't know, used to be an hour, then they cut it to, uh, is it 15 minutes in between in matches? In between, yeah. And, uh, and I know they would say, well, you know, if you're used to it and you're in shape, you can come back. But, you know, at some point, especially depending on, if you get a couple of pins, yeah, fine. Right. But if you if have you, to go all three go rounds and you go the whole way, because I, I got a great uh, story. When I was at Maine, um, you know, they had an intramural system where, uh, they competed in every sport, all the fraternities and whatever. And if you weren't playing, even when you were playing a sport, they wanted the fraternity house always wanted you to compete because you were an athlete. So they needed some guys to do wrestling. <laughs> so I said, all right, I, I never wrestle. I was a basketball player in, during the winter. But I'll, I'll wrestle so we'll get some points or whatever. You had to go to so many practices and whatever. So I went to some practices, a lot of exercising and stretching and teaching us the moves and whatever. And, I said, I was thinking to myself, this is going all right, you know. I mean, it's not something I probably would have done, but it's okay. Right. <laughs> and then they got to, okay, we're going to do some, you know, just one-minute matches, not two, one minute. The rounds are two minutes each. So I'm thinking, okay, you know, a minute. They <laughs> <laughs> had me up with somebody similar size and strength and whatever, and, and uh, honest to God, at the end of the, at the, end of the minute, I – Every single muscle in my body hurt, and I, I, I would have guaranteed that if I could crawl off, if I could have crawled off to the side of the mat, I would have puked. That, I, seriously, it, it was absolute total fatigue. And I tell you what, I took on a different perspective of what wrestlers go through. I couldn't, and I was in shape. I just came off playing football, and and I've been working out. I, and I, there was an ounce of fat on me. I mean, I was in wicked shape. And honestly, God, I thought I, I can't survive. If I had to go back out again, done. Yeah. Couldn't do it. We, did, we, we experienced it in phys ed classes when I was growing up, and, and it is exhausting. It, I think it's, it might be one of the most difficult sports to, uh, to do because you're, there's no break, like you said, in that minute or two minutes. You're, you're tied up for that two minutes, and you're struggling to <laughs> Tied just, up literally. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, it might be trying to keep your shoulder up off the mat, but you're using every ounce of energy you have to, to uh do that and it's uh I, I think that's you know personally i think that's why the numbers are going down a little bit in that sport because oh, it, it, it's a difficult sport i i like the fact that uh, i remember the days of the you know you weigh in and you're five pounds over and they put the wetsuit on you know the rubber suit and try to sweat it out and whatever and now with the uh with the uh skin ca- the weight calipers and the, yeah. and the percentages and how much you can go down people would start at one weight class and go down two three weight classes by the time can't do that anymore so it's much safer it's much more controlled and uh i really like the fact that uh because i was on the wrestling committee when they started to put those things in that we need some guidelines so that kids and and i'll tell you i was at noble at the time as the ad and uh we had a kid that that was a senior wrestled in the whatever that's at 112 what's the lowest weight class by the time uh, you had 106 when, now but when you added the weight though yeah, I mean, oh, in other okay, words, yeah. you add a weight for each whatever right, it is your, each your month weight uh, allowance, yeah. yeah weight allowance I mean, whatever it was yeah. he was the least 
and his mother was a bus driver and really positive person, Carol. She she came in all the time to talk sports and and whatever. So and went to home and away and always volunteered to drive the bus and everything else. She came in when the season's over and said, can I see it for a minute? And she sits down across my desk. She's got her arms full. And I'm thinking, wow, I've never seen her face quite this serious. <laughs> and her son just won the state championship. It, it was over. The state meet was over. Matter of fact, we hosted it. It was like a dual meet. Oh, we had yeah. <laughs> the 12 weight classes. We had, we had eight, eight or nine kids all from Noble. We, we were loaded. Anyway, she said, you know, I, I love wrestling. He's done it. For four years, I've loved every minute of it. She said, he, he wrestled Saturday. She said, this is Tuesday. I'm thinking, yeah, I can I figure <laughs> that out. It's Tuesday. She said, he ate what he wanted and drank liquids and whatever all week, you know, the weekend and Monday. She said, he's gained 21 pounds. And wow. I went, that's when I realized, wow. We, and our coach yeah. was not one. Coach Walker, there's no way, right. Bob Walker, that he was ever going to allow somebody to, to cut weight and whatever. But there were no rules on any yeah. of that. The kids could do it. On, you know, if the kid did it on their own, yeah, you know, yeah, I can't beat that guy, so I got to drop down a weight class. You know, that kind of feeling. Yeah. Anyway, so that's when I realized on the hockey committee, I mean the wrestling committee, we got to do something. And so we started asking the other states and put together a package of it wasn't exactly what they're doing now, but we gotta we gotta control this. This is nuts because yeah. this is one of our positive parents. Right, right. You, know, you want to <laughs> see Johnny's mother come in and yeah. say, hey, "I tell you what, pal." Uh, you know? that, that was a great um, change because oh, yeah. uh, it, it wasn't safe. Some of the things that that um, kids would do, and like you said, coaches may not even known what was going on. But uh, you know. The kid would come in and try to drop weight to, to get to another class and uh, just wasn't healthy. And I think that's been a, a real positive change. That, that was the biggest thing. I can't beat this guy at my, my own team so I can be in the match, you know, instead of a substitute. I got to drop a weight class or whatever. So None of them ever said I got to go up a weight class because you got to be stronger. Yeah. And it's so all because so of that forth. movie Vision Quest, I, I swear. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> so as an AD, how much of your day is uh, tied up in, in, in talking with parents? <laughs> about um, you know, I, I, I'm sure you'll talk to you, – you can talk to several ADs and get different answers. Right. But, you know, like a lot of things, I think uh, being an athletic director is about relationships. And, yeah. and I try not to let it get to that point where I have to say, let's have a meeting in my office. So mm -hmm. I try to continually have conversations with parents. Uh, you know, hey, how are things going? Uh, and just uh, be open and, and let them know that I'm open. So I don't have a lot of individual meetings with parents, um, mainly because uh, I, I think because of that communication and building that relationship. I also really encourage my coach to coaches to build those relationships with parents yeah. so that it doesn't come to a head um, after a game uh, where everybody's frustrated. It still happens, yeah. but um, the, the more you can eliminate that, and I think the way to eliminate that is by, by building those relationships with parents, with athletes. And, you know, I really like to see athletes try to handle it on their own first yeah um you know you have a protocol that you go through has has the athlete talked to the coach about it yet because uh it may not be the athlete that's really that concerned about it and and i've seen that in a lot of cases where the athletes like i think things are good i think right. coach is you know, holding us accountable and so uh so yeah I, I, it's about building building those relationships and and uh from the coach to the ad uh on up do you are you thinking that 
some people aren't coaching because there's too much interference from parents? Are you, are you sensing that? I'm Maybe sure, not at your school. But. Yeah, I'm sure there is. I read articles and a lot of the um, the proactive coaching stuff that I mentioned before, Positive Coaching Alliance. Um, I'm sure there is because it, it, it's a tough gig. Uh, you know, nobody nobody wants to put all that time in for, for very little money to be questioned by a parent. Um, you know, I, I always, uh, when I support our coaches, some, sometimes I can support them. Sometimes I can't, but um, I, I I can support our coaches because I say they're at practice every day. They see the effort. They see the attitude, and that, that's what factors into to playing time. Sure. And you're not at the practices as a parent, so how can you question uh, the playing time? So play, playing time really is, in a lot of places, is non-negotiable beca- because of that, because uh, – uh, you're not at the practices. Oh, I can remember saying if, if you come in, if you're coming in to talk about playing time, not not gonna playing gonna, time and X's and yeah, O's. We're not gonna do that. If you if you if you feel your son or daughter is being treated poorly, you know, uh, swearing, but you know whatever the list your list is, okay, then we you know need to talk to the coach and then talk to me. But uh, you know I laugh because my wife, as you know, is a coach and. My kids, <laughs> four kids, they would come home and yeah, not a lot because both of them really happy with playing sports and their coaches. But every once in a while, just a little bit of because they knew it was coming. And I'd say, so what are you going to do about it? Yeah. <laughs> well, because I'm not going in. Yeah. You know that's not going to happen. So <laughs> yeah. what are you going to do about it? Right. <laughs> well, and at the end of the day, you know, parents are trying to. It's their child. They're trying to sure. advocate for their child. They, they're very passionate, but. Um, you know, I, I've experienced as a uh, a father now, and um, you know, I, would I do things different? I'm sitting there on the sideline. Would I do handle things different? Yeah, but I'm not the coach, and I'm not at practice every day, and and uh, I just uh, wish parents would take that in consideration before they before they jump to conclusions. You know, I think the other piece too that I've been reading a lot on is is officiating uh, numbers are down throughout the state yeah. in, in most sports, and I think that's um, part of the reason too is is uh i mean officials don't get paid great but they've they've been getting um you know their increases over the years but that says something when it's not even worth the money to do it to have to listen to uh spectators in in a sport you probably love right right you know it's not it mean it's not worth it you know that's yeah so that, that I mean that that's something that definitely that our culture could work on and, and I think it you can always work on it. And you know I got to tell you it's not just high school. Uh, I told you before my daughter played two sports in college and uh, her um, hockey coach, ice hockey coach, was very adamant about please let your parents know if I haven't met them, come and shoot the breeze and whatever, but not just before the game, right, <laughs> and not just after the game. You know same rules that we always had, right. And uh, so uh, one time my daughter called. She says, well, I feel pretty comfortable in saying this, but Coach said she was frustrated because she said some yapping from parents in her ear and whatever. And she said, please let your folks know, she said to the team in general, I'm, I'm not interested in that. You know, if you've got an issue, you can see me. We'll work it out. You're an adult. She said, I, I knew I wouldn't have to call home, but I'm calling home because she told this to. And I said, yeah, it wasn't us. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty clear on that. But, you know, even in college. Yeah. Even in college. Should be doing this. And my kids should be, you know, hey. Well, did I did I feel some of that stuff sometime? Sure, I'm a parent. Yeah. I want my daughter on the power play or whatever, but 
maybe she shouldn't be. Like I said, I'm not at practice every day. I don't right. know. You know. Right. And if you know, as a parent, what I encourage my son to do or my daughter and is speak up for yourself. If you don't think you're getting a fair shake, go have a conversation with the coach and have a mature discussion with them is what can I do to get myself to, to, to be better? Because there's hardly ever a coach that doesn't respect you for standing up for yourself. Right. Now, would a lot of things change? Maybe not. But you know what? In the back of their mind, if they get an opportunity to get you that opportunity, they probably will give it to you now that you've stood up for yourself. Right. I said one of the best things I ever did way back, and I, I didn't do it later on. I probably should have. Is I, I had kids fill out a goal card. Yeah. One side individual, the other side team. team. And I used that when I would meet and say, now, Aaron, this says you'd like to be the starting shortstop. You yeah. Know? Um, and, and have that discussion about what would they need to do. How and, are you going to get there? And how are you going to get there? Yeah. And let's look around. Do you think there are other shortstops here? You know, you could have that yeah. legitimate conversation about what, what's out there. And and that, that made a big difference. Yeah. And if I had to do over again, I probably would have done that. I did add team council where we met with you know each each class freshman sophomore whatever picked representative to meet with the coaches every week yeah to talk about along you know they could their agenda and i would add a couple agenda items we posted it we posted the results of the meeting and uh got a lot of good feedback both ways about that yeah you know kind of stopping at the time you know we, we've all had some harassment in the locker room and especially of the young kids and I want to know. If, yeah. you, if you haven't told me that, freshman, how do I know that? Right. You know, we're not in there 100% of the time. You know, we're in and out checking, well, and, and but you we can't don't be in see. there now because of, you know, things that, that happen in there, and you don't want to put yourself in that position. Sure. But, um, two things on that. One, I used to do the same thing as a coach with uh, the goals, and, and I would say, I, you know, I don't want to see you write down, we all want to win, want to win a state championship. I want to know how we're going to get there. You know, tell me what, what we need to do. What you need to do as a as a teammate to get our whole team there, and I and I think that's a great. Uh, we do it with football now. Uh, Coach Doucette did it this year. Um, I think it's a great tool to to get kids to realize or athletes to realize. Um, yeah, you know, th there's some work to put in before we get there. What 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 am I going to do? Am I going to lift weights in the off season? Am I going to uh, be a good teammate? What kind of things am I going to do to make myself better to make our team better? Um, and then the second piece of that is we we've. Uh, established uh, what we call kind of mini mini groups on our teams and, and some of our successful teams have used it uh, where they call them uh, platoons and, and there might be four or five it's a mix of uh, upperclassmen with uh, underclassmen and you have a pl platoon leader so to speak like a captain and they, they talk about those issues and they talk about and we've had uh, a couple times uh, one of the pl platoon leaders come back and say you know we really don't like how this is going um a, as a team and uh we'd like to address it and yep. i, I nice. think that that's putting kids in a position sure. to be leaders and i mean isn't that what we want at the end of the day isn't that what sure. uh, high school sports are all about i mean sure. how, how many times have you heard it not many of our athletes are going yep. on to to play professional sports but they are going to be fathers community members coaches in our community, so that you know, that's what we want to do. We hope. Yeah, we, we hope. sure yeah. need them. We hope. Well, you know, um, as you know, we come around, uh, I come around each of the local football schools and interview the head coach. Yeah. And Oak Hill is kind of a special place because I know everybody. Right. And so, I shouldn't say this 
on the air because they'll all expect this. I always bring cookies. <laughs> and they go, what do you got today, coach? Just to like Oak Hill? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, do you, what do you got today, coach? Like that. So, oh, yeah, I'm going to hear about this. Yeah. And uh, so uh, Green IGA, uh, they make they make oh, their yeah. own, and, boy, they're really good. <laughs> anyway, and then I sit down and listen to it was so fun to watch uh, a team that, that at the end of the season is in seventh go to the finals. I mean, it was incredible. You could feel it. I yeah. mean, and it, it was it was a lot of fun. And, of course, uh, Gus and I got a chance to do the game at Wells. Right. And it, yeah, it didn't come out the way you want. Wells is one of those teams. But, you know, what a great uh, – I, I told what, what Caleb – Feeds my animals when yeah. we're out of town or whatever. And so we become really close. And, uh, you know, I was able to say to him, you know, think of the legacy you guys left it. We're never out of it. I right. don't care. We were seventh. We're not out of it. Right. And uh, it's a great feeling. It really is. That brings me to another another point that I've experienced as a coach and, and as an athletic director. There's always been a, a debate a little bit about, you know, do you take four teams to the playoffs or do you take eight teams to the playoffs because that 8-1 matchup isn't always a – a great matchup, sure. but but um, when I was coaching, uh, Morse uh, as a five seed went on to the state championship, and mm -hmm. had we uh, sure. limited it to four teams, they wouldn't even have that opportunity. Yeah. But how many times at the beginning of the season do you have an injury that you might uh, miss, you know, lose the first couple games, or an eligibility problem that might you might lose the first couple games, but then you turn it on at the end, and uh, if you only have four teams, that team doesn't get a chance to sure. to to show that growth. Yeah. Reminder, we are live right now from Gridiron Restaurant. We have about five minutes left in the program today on the B-List on the new 105.5 Sports. You, of course, watch the Super Bowl at Gridiron on Sunday. And don't forget that, you know, they're open seven days a week, 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. daily. And they have over 150 menu items, over 50 televisions. There's an extensive drink menu, 1567 Lisbon Street, right here in Lewis, and this has been a great atmosphere, I think, to, to do a sports yeah, show fun. from, right? It's been fun. Yeah, absolutely. You know, my only complaint about the Super Bowl is I, I wish it started at <laughs> 1.30, uh, 2 o'clock, uh, yeah. all day. That must drive the players crazy. Yeah. And then to start it at 6.30, I mean, I know they have all the stuff that they do, all the ads and the yeah. commercials and all that stuff that, of course, pays the bills. But yeah, – <laughs> As a coach and, and a then player, some for the I'd, Super Bowl. I'd like to have it be, you know, I was, one uh, o'clock. I was joking with my wife uh, after the uh, the conference games, and I said, "Why, why can't the NFL move the uh, Super Bowl up to uh, that Martin Luther King weekend so that everybody has Monday off after?" I said, "Just you know, yeah, they don't need four preseason games. Cut a preseason game." <laughs> well, I like it. Skip Capone was on earlier, yeah. and he said at Bates they're actually getting Monday off. They're the coaches Super are saying no, no, <laughs> no, no, uh, no lifting, no nothing. But knock yeah. the preseason down to three games. Take the week, the two weeks in between yeah. uh, playoffs between the uh, championships and the Super Bowl, and the, you got the two weeks. We could we could end this on Martin Luther King. I weekend. like it. I like it a lot. I think you should call Roger. He hasn't done much else, by the way. I. I saw his interview. I've never seen a guy being paid that kind of money. I shouldn't say he doesn't do anything, but he doesn't face any issue. He, I've never seen a guy, Roger the Dodger. I mean, yeah. he, yeah. I mean, nothing. He, yeah. he, he, in other words, he keeps saying, well, that's the, co well, that's the, somebody else responsible. What are you responsible for, Roger? Yeah. Because I could negotiate the contract with the TV stations. They all want it. 
Right, right. <laughs> okay, how much you willing to pay? Okay, we done? Okay, let's go get something to eat. I mean, really, yeah. come on. That's what he does? Because he doesn't do anything else. What uh, do you think they, they'll do about the, uh, the the replay stuff with the uh, pass interference? I, That's got to be reviewable. I, yeah. heard, I heard somebody say, because uh, Belichick has been saying for 10 years, he thinks everything should be reviewable. Yeah. Well, I don't necessarily agree with that because you could find holding on every play. Right. right. You got a touchdown. I'm gonna uh, holding should not pretty be sure reviewable. There was, pretty sure there was holding. Uh, yeah. But I I think you know like for instance in hockey if I think you've got a curved stick if I say they've got a curved stick check uh, check that guy's stick. Oh, like lacrosse they, too. If you the, find with it, the basket. it, it's a two minute penalty on that. Yeah. If you don't, it's a two minute penalty on you. So let's say in that game the Saints say. We'd like that play reviewed. We think da 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 da, and they look at it and go, "No, I, I, he, he stumbled into him. It's not a, you know, whoever makes that decision. I, I still think it should be left to the guy on the field. Yeah, he gets some input from maybe New York, but if they say no, then the Saints get a get a 15 yard, whatever it is, whatever yeah. the penalty, you know, I, something like that. And I think the other thing that I like is, I mean, sometimes those replays take. Three, four minutes? Yeah. If, if it isn't definitive enough for you to look at it and go, watch it twice and go, oh, okay, then done. Right. Set a time limit. And originally, that's what it was supposed to be. There's a time yeah. limit. Yeah. Well, speaking of time limit, we're basically done. out of time. <laughs> <on the laughs> be <B-list>. done. <laughs> Here on the new 105.5 Sports. I want to thank all our guests today. First of all, Jim Palmer, thanks for staying on for basically an entire hour with Th- us. Yeah, thanks for having me. On the program. Thanks to Kim, of course, here at Gridiron Restaurant. We're happy to broadcast live today. She was on earlier. Thanks to Skip Capone as well. He's Coach Dave Wing. I'm Aaron Morse. We're back in the Spectrum Healthcare Partner Studios in Auburn tomorrow from 10 to noon. And this has been the B-List live from Gridiron in Lewiston. Have a good one.